Hello, this is former Major League Baseball player Billy Bean, and you are listening to The Level Playing Field. Welcome back to another episode of Level Playing Field on the Outsports Podcast Network. This is my podcast that I host. My name is Randy Boos, where I speak with people who are involved in sports and are part of the LGBTQ community. This week, my guest is former Major League Baseball player Billy Bean. Billy currently has the title of VP and Special Assistant to the Commissioner in Major League Baseball. Our conversation covers a little bit of his playing days, as well as what he's doing now with Major League Baseball. The show notes will tell you where to find him on social media, give him a follow to hear more about what he's doing. Towards the end, he talks about his friendship he has with former ump Dale Scott, also a former guest. Find out what it would have meant to him if he knew Dale was gay during Billy's playing days. What it would have meant to have a gay friend to talk with in the big leagues. Regarding this podcast, please also like, share, follow, retweet, or whatever else you can do with social media to help me get the word out about this podcast and about this episode on the Outsports Podcast Network. Without further ado, though, here is my conversation with former Major League Baseball player Billy Bean. Billy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That's my pleasure, Randy. I look forward to our conversation. Looking over your career, I guess I just want to start here. Being a boy who I think you grew up in California for the most part, you've gone all over the United States playing the game of baseball. You've gone to Japan. This job as the inclusion ambassador is taking you to places like the Vatican. I mean, do you look back and just are you amazed at what you've done? Well, I'm more amazed at my relationship with baseball and what that has brought into my life. I, I've always said that um, my story is my personal, the Billy Bean story is interesting only because I am part of two uh, incredible communities that I, I created a bridge to intersect. And so, you know, the, the privilege and opportunity to uh talk about inclusion and respect for all people at the Vatican was, you know, just a very humbling moment. And you're right, baseball has allowed me to, uh, you know, as a younger a man play baseball in just about every single state in the union almost and, and to travel uh, to South America. It really inspired me um, in so many ways with the people that I met from Venezuela or the Dominican Republic and in Mexico, um, some lifelong friendships and, and um, experiences that are very, very important to me. So I look at baseball as this amazing fountain, you know, that just provides opportunity to not only uh, allow me to give back to the world in ways where I, when I was closeted and I was afraid to tell the truth to the people that I loved or that loved me um, about who and what I am, it gives me this amazing opportunity at this point in my life to try to honor some of those uh, moments where I was short-sighted and lived in fear and maybe a shameful place. And now I can um, 
have the opportunities to spread a message that is, uh, I hope, inspiring and empowers people and impactful and is not never again going to be fear-based. It's about um, education and uh, empowering people to uh, see the things that we have in common versus the things that we don't. Going back, even today with baseball, minor league baseball is, uh, while our society has changed and the sport has changed, you still have a general setup where you start in single A, you're living with families who are supporters of the local club usually. What was that experience like for you? Because from what I've read and understand, while you probably had struggles with sexuality at an early age, you really didn't experiment and live the life as a gay man until later on. But what was that life like for you living in someone's home? And <laughs> Yeah, that, that started uh, the first uh, college baseball uh, actually brought those experiences to me first where I was playing um, as a freshman uh, in the summer in San Maria, California, where uh, clubs like that to help the players um, cover expenses. You have great, great families that take in the players um, and support the team. I, I had that opportunity in Alaska where I had a MVP of the league uh, experience up there. Baseball allowed me to go back you know, just last summer in one of our RBI programs to um, support uh, the sport up there again, which was amazing after so many years. And I actually was able to take the, uh, the couple that were my summer parents in Fairbanks, Alaska out to dinner and, uh, uh share some really great time. I had a, a amazing family called, uh, Jim and Louise McVicker who, uh, saw me play when I was with the Detroit Tigers in spring training and invited me when I was part of the Toledo mud hens to live. Um, they had a, a big family had seven kids and had taken uh, exchange students for many years. Um, they had this very big, huge house out in White House, Ohio. And, and they, you know, these are the kind of, you know, just amazing moments that baseball provides because ba there's a there's a level of comfort. Baseball allows people to get to know you because you're in the same place uh, playing many, many, many games and they see you at your best and at your worst. And um, they can make a, a really good determination about um, the type of character you have. But, uh, you know, what you said is true. I, I really um, was a baseball player first and foremost. Absolutely, you know, I played before the internet existed. There was no way for me to even conceptualize exploring my sexual orientation. And and I, I was uh, in a committed relationship with my ex-wife for many years. Um, that felt safe and comfortable. And it wasn't until you know, my third or fourth year in the major leagues, um, that when I was in bigger cities around the country, that I started to understand uh, more about myself and then became the scary part where I found myself investigating that with really no idea of what or how to do it. And I was, you know, deathly afraid of talking to anyone about it. And so, I found myself in some situations that were really difficult. And I think a lot of times hard for people in your generation to understand because they have access to so many things in their phone nowadays. And in my time, you had to go 
somewhere where there were like-minded people and tried to have the courage to start a conversation. And all the while, you know, I was playing baseball year round. So it took, you know, when I'd have, you know, one brave day and then it would be three months had passed, you know, so I'd have a hundred games in between and travel and with all my teammates and, and then it would start to surface again. And, and, um, and you no, know, I made a lot of decisions that I wish, um, I hadn't made mostly because, I was married at the time, and I, well, I should have never gotten married, but I didn't have any idea about my true self at the time. And it wasn't until much later that, you know, the collision of all of those decisions and meeting a, someone, you know, how it had such a profound effect on my life in, in, in a small way, in a very profound and wonderful way. But then mostly it was just the damage of ending relationships and, and uh, my partner passing and me really not knowing where that left me because I I was still trying to navigate through the world uh, of baseball at the time and it was really, really difficult. Oh yeah, and just to clarify, I'm 46, so I understand we're just like growing up pre-internet. That, that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> that at least um, you remember when you were, uh, when we were young, um, it was a different world to navigate through. Sexuality um, wasn't, I grew up in a conservative home and sexuality wasn't thing discussed. I was experimenting at a young age, but um, there wasn't that place that you could go and, and ask questions. Exactly, and, exactly. And, like and that, so. you know, one of the things I try to do when I am talking to our community um, is to make sure that they make a consideration uh to think about uh, the generation before them and before me and how brave and, you know, how limited the opportunities were to live a, a fulfilling life without fear of uh, retribution by others. Um, you know, we still have many obstacles in our lives today, but there is a community out there that, you know, everyone has access to, um, at least to learn about. And that was different for us. Oh, yeah. And, and not to focus on that time too much, but not only the, the fear of, of uh, you know, homophobic attacks, but also the fear of HIV and AIDS. I mean, yeah. I was a teen in my late in the late 80s when information was coming out more and more. But I had the constant fear. Yeah, I, I, I can relate very well to that because my partner died of HIV-related causes without even knowing he was HIV positive until the last two months of his life. And we were together, um, and that was uh, looming over my head my last year as a player. I felt certain that I would become positive and that that would you know, potentially be a death sentence because that's the way people still talked in the early 90s. Um, and I, I saw a physician that told me that, you know, I was at risk for uh, an extended period of time afterwards, even though I was testing negative. And so it, it was a different world. And so I know we want to stay on car, uh, uh, course with your interview, but uh, it sounds like we have a lot that we can relate to uh, in our personal experiences. It yeah, was a hard definitely. time. Let's talk about baseball, though, and, and playing um, you, you're obviously married for the first part of your career. Yeah. Um, what was it like being in the locker room in the clubhouse, being closeted? Was there a lot of homophobic talk? I think that uh, homophobia was 
an acceptable expression for uh, men in you know sports environments in those days because we'd never had any examples of uh, or reason or someone standing up for those you know there were always people that compassionate and uh, and and kind that were not homophobic but it was a different time for sure and I think that the, the for me until I met my partner Sam I, I I really did not even consider that I might be gay. And so there was like a two halves of my career where I think one was trying to uh, remain the way that I had built my life because I that was the image that every other player presented. That was the image or the expectation from my family. Um, and I wanted to be people. I think a lot of us in sports or entertainment, um, there is a component of wanting to please the masses for one reason or another. And um, I had really done everything that I was supposed to do. I met an amazing woman in college. We were together for eight years and I'm still extremely close to her and care about her deeply. Um, we had a difficult uh, intermission for many years uh, you know, after our divorce, but we were able to reconcile that. But I, I, I think that I just was, when I was in the clubhouse, I was certainly not on any crusade to uh, change the behaviors of my teammates. Like I said, some guys were great and were never said a bad word about women, never said a bad word about or a racist comment or bigoted or biased or religious persecution of any kind. But then there was just other people that, you know, were wired differently and thought that that was a, a, a platform for humor, which I think most of it was, uh, you know, then you, you know, you'd get guys that want to get aggressive with each other and fight and, and, you know, feminizing another man is usually the first, um, direction of commentary and inevitably would become, you know, towards a homophobic comment. But, and that's why I think I'm so inspired now to be different than I was then because I understand how damaging, uh, allowing those types of comments to uh, exist um, are and baseball has um, absolutely from top to bottom you know cleaned up the culture um, from you know clubhouse kids to the very top of at ownership about the way we talk about uh, people of color how we talk about women how we talk about the LGBTQ community because we understand that um, we are going to be held accountable and we are uh, you know, ambassadors to all the communities that we play in front of and, and the ramifications and um, the actions, uh, the expectations of our uh, fans have changed dramatically. And, and, uh, and, you know, making sure that the players are aware of that and learn from the experiences of, uh, of moments where, you know, athletes have chosen to disclose or post a biased or bigoted message and how that has affected their lives immediately and their careers immediately. And and I'm really proud of the progress that we've made over the last five or six years. Yeah, it, it's definitely, like you said, especially the last four or five years, really culture has, I think, been more accepting and you've seen more change. Yeah, and athletes, you know, unafraid to be supportive of my our Shred Hate uh, bullying prevention program, um, which is, you know, everyone can relate to being bullied and um, and whether that is, you know, for, for whatever reason, but it has allowed 
uh, a real expansion of the LGBTQ conversation uh, in that space um, that allows players to realize that, you know, what they say and what they do, what they post um, impacts, you know, millions of young kids who look up to every word that they say. Um, and, and I just feel a tremendous sense of pride when I first got uh, hired back to baseball um, as the first ambassador for inclusion. Um, I, I mean, I felt like, you know, I was nauseated with nervousness walking into the clubhouse, you know, because I thought the players are going to judge me. And, and over time, you know, being a former player uh, allowed for a, a sense of, you know, a fraternity and and I, I have great ad, you know admiration for the players the way that they have embraced um, a consideration for these conversations. It wasn't like they were uh, you know clamoring for them, but really shown a capacity to understand the why and and that uh, has allowed us to move away from just simple conversations about you know commentary on social media to you know, deeper, uh, broad, you know, broad education conversations that, you know, go into, uh, you know, allow, you know, to talk about, you know, kids in our communities, um, you know, mental health, uh, all kinds of things that um, are much broader, but I, in my uh, opinion, are all connected in, in us being, uh, setting an example and being role models to those that love and follow baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and I want to follow up on that. I have one last question about your playing days, and okay. then I want to talk about your your current position with Major League Baseball and what that means and what what that is. Um, I want to talk about you had a a season in Japan, right? And the reason why I bring this up is usually when people travel or they you know they go overseas to play a sport or something like that, there's a there's a, a sense of almost blending in and re- being able to relax on who you are. But when you go to Japan and play baseball over there, I imagine it, I mean, obviously the people are different, so you can't blend in that way. But was it, a, were you able to relax at all while you were over there regarding sexuality? Actually, I, it was the exact opposite where I think, um, first of all, I get off, you know, the airplane in, in, uh, in those days, there's only two players on each team. And then they had my picture plastered like, uh, like 10,000 posters of Billy Bean as a new player on the Kentetsu Buffaloes. And I, I was, people would point and say, you know, Gaijin, you know, to, you know, as an American player. And because of that, and because I was very, very, um, I think still at the very beginning of understanding my sexual orientation, I really put my personal life on hold. I was there for uh, about eight or nine months. It felt like two or three years um, and I think part of my decision, because I, I signed a two year contract that I thought I'm not living my life, you know, in an earnest way. And I would rather come back and play in the minors and maybe it was almost subconscious. Like I couldn't really articulate a specific, you know, uh, example of what I wanted to do, but I, I felt like. I was not going to ever uh, reconcile um, the things that were going on in my mind. Um, And I think at the beginning, I may have wanted a little space between uh, my wife and I 
to try to process that, but it didn't feel safe to do that. Um, the language barrier, um, you know, the at that time, very few, uh, you know, Americans living, I was living in Osaka, Japan. Um, so it, it may have sort of uh, expedited me into a place where I needed to explore. And ironically, that off season when I came back home is when I just happened to run into Sam um, in the winter of 92, just felt, you know, and uh, like my, my whole world was spinning out of order because it, it, it posed a lot of problems for me because I was married and I did not want to hurt, you know, anyone in my life as, you know, emotionally or, or, you know, breaking up a relationship or a marriage is a terribly difficult experience. And it just didn't seem like I never gave myself a chance to explore before making that commitment. And it, it felt like every decision I was making was the wrong one, but a lot of them were making themselves. So the experience in Japan, I have great um, affinity for. Again, it was, uh, it probably helped me baseball wise to just only worry about baseball at that time. I didn't have mm -hmm. anybody pulling at me. I was so far away from home. I got in amazing shape there. Um, I got stronger. I played every day. And I came back, and I think for the next two and a half years or so, I was the best baseball player I'd ever been, um, which helped me with the, make the Padres ball club and, and that experience. So I look back often, and I just wonder, there's so many variables to my journey as a player and how you know, it came together. And if I had made one decision different from another, um, how would have things played out? Or maybe I wouldn't have quit. It's hard, but it's like anything in life. You got to gotta accept what you can't change and, uh, and try to learn from those experiences. This might be a silly question since, you know, you've said the stat quite often that out of over 20,000 baseball players to play Major League Baseball, only two have come out, you and Glenn Burke. Right. But w would your career be, do you think it'd be a different if it was in today's time? or Because it, it seems like your sexuality and stuff, it almost hurts your career. Well, it Just the struggles you had. Yeah, my personal, I brought it on and and ruined my career. I, I've, what I, it's funny because when I, came back to baseball, I had such a low opinion of myself as a player. And as I've been around uh, a lot of my colleagues from the times when we played, they always remind me that that I should have had a great career. And it, it, it makes me smile and it makes me cry almost at the same time because I, I have tremendous disappointment. And I, because I, I didn't know where to look for any kind of guidance because I didn't believe anybody. First, I didn't think I would ever tell anybody, but I just, I couldn't, I, I wasn't in a, in a place where I felt comfortable with myself. It was a different time and place. And to your question, um, if I was a player now, I know for a fact that I would be able to play with a sense of, of love and my heart for myself and, and confidence I'm not saying that I would be, you know, strong enough to uh, to play out and open, but I know that I would have a huge support group that knew about me, and I was out to some people. And I try to explain that in my conversations with I've had with some players um, that 
or people that aren't in sports, you know, that you don't have to come out behind a microphone and, a, a, you know, a step and repeat <laughs> to the whole world. If you come out, you can come out one person at a time. And that may be the healthiest process for you. But I, I didn't understand that as a player. And I felt like, you know, I would be judged immediately. And then all of the things that I had been trying to cover up for the past few years, it just felt like the only solution was for Billy Bean to leave baseball because I had uh, messed up uh, my chances. And and even even with the mistakes that I had made, that still was incorrect. There was a place for me. I I, I believe that now. But um, you know, and I know that athletes today have so much to consider if you know when they if they were to come out. And so. We need to continue to focus on the culture and and the educational process that allows players to um, understand, you know, why uh, being respectful to all, making sure everyone who wants to come to a baseball game is feels welcome, um, that our messaging has no, uh, you know, bias in it, and that we're able, you know, support the things that are important to us. Then I think over time. Um, and we are starting to build up some time in that space that um, an athlete, um, when they're ready, um, is going to feel that if it makes the most sense for them to do that at that time, they're going to know that it's going to be a positive experience. You know, they're being the first is hard. And I have great empathy for athletes that are, you know, trying to make that consideration right now. But it doesn't slow me down with, you know, our efforts to continue to get in front of all the players um, and really be uh, the providing, you know, source for, you know, educational resources that won't let them ever forget that baseball uh, wants, you know, everyone to feel uh, welcome. We are going to take a short break and I'll be back in a moment to continue my chat with Billy Bean. Welcome back to Level Playing Field. Before we go back and talk to Billy about what he's doing now, I wanted to tell you what is on tap next episode on the Outsports Podcast Network, hosted by SB Nation. On the next Transporter Room, hosts Don Ennis and Carly Webb talk about the three Connecticut teens that are suing to block two trans girls from competing against them. But just one day after filing that lawsuit, one of the plaintiffs beat the trans girl in competition. What happened? They will hear from the ACLU and the trans athletes on the next episode of the Transporter Room tomorrow on the Outsports Podcast Network. Let's get back, though, to our chat with former Major League Baseball player Billy Bean. And with that, you know, you would obviously, you know, you retired in 95. Um, it took 10 years, no, 20 years for you to come back to the game, right? With Almost. this role? <laughs> yeah, I, I up until uh, 2014, um, I wasn't sure you know, someone like me would ever be a consideration for baseball. And so I have to give great credit to, um, you know, the leadership here at the office of the commissioner. They, they, they picked up the phone and called me. Um, I didn't invite myself back. Um, and even to continue that, the, to their credit, um, have allowed me to have, um, some leverage in, um, the decision-making process of how that message is going to be shared. And now, I mean, I am literally on a first-name basis with every single owner in our sport. Um, I work very hard to 
um, introduce myself and and be on um, standby status to you know every general manager, every every manager. We have tremendous turnover, so there, that is a lot of work to it. Um, you know, just this year we basically have ten new managers out of thirty, and you know I cultivate the relationships that I have that exist in a way that I think is um, uh, very respectful to our sport, to our history. Um, to the my colleagues, uh, you know, the men and women who work in here and, and, and all the efforts that we make that we're aligned. Um, I try to support as many of the other um, initiatives to show that I'm not just a, a one way, you know, for, for the LGBT cause and that's it. Um, you know, we are at a very crucial time in how we support women in the workplace, uh, the women that are employed in, in baseball operations now. Uh, we've had a dramatic uh, offseason where six women have been hired, and it is essential that we are there to support them um, because they are in the minority, you know, out there out in the fields, in the minor league, uh, you know, stadiums. And um, I want us to lead by example. Um, and so the work is never done. But definitely um, it was timely when I was brought back, and I, I don't really feel like I've taken a day off since because there's always something happening where someone, you know, the scale of our sport is so big with our minor league, uh, you know, development um, and the amount of minor league teams that we have, um, you know, going to South America, you know, we have almost 8,000 athletes that are under contract at this moment somewhere. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for things um, for us to do better um, and provide, uh, you know, some some help um, under dress. How is your and actually, what is the official title you have with Major League Baseball? I've I've moved up a couple uh, or shifted. I would say maybe the my my exact title now is uh, Vice President and Special Assistant uh, to the Commissioner. So I oversee multiple education programs now. I uh, moved away from my ambassador for inclusion title that is held by Curtis Pride, uh, my brother, my you know great um, example to uh, for all of our athletes, um, person of color who is uh, born with a hearing deficiency and lives with that disability, but played in the big leagues for eight years, um, and is just a, a great person. Um, and he and I, you know, we uh, cross paths all often during the year. Um, but I think, you know, being here at the commissioner's office every day has allowed me um, to have a, um, a voice with, you know, my colleagues. And we've really tried to um, expand our awareness in multiple ways. And being a former player um, allows me uh, to have some confidence uh, with the operations side of baseball. And, and so my job seems to continue to expand. As a, a former player and someone who's gay, um, what do these pride nights mean to you? Almost well, all the think, teams are doing. I think they're, it's interesting because, you know, my conversations with clubs are by invitation and we do not mandate anything out of this office. Cause I was certain that when we started, if, if we were starting to demand, um, uh, specific, uh, messaging, there would be pushback that would, um, not make it feel uh, real or organic to those that are that were uh, uh, providing those nights 
because they felt it was ready. And I think there were two Pride Nights uh, when I started, maybe three, uh, none that were, I mean, and uh, the difference between uh, uh, a group event that was a Pride Night versus a uh, official hosted event um, is a big deal because then the team uh, is putting, you know, their name next to it. And, and now that we are almost in completely through the league, um, I honestly, if, you know, six years ago, if you just said to me that, you know, almost all 30 teams in one way or another uh, would be supporting the LGBT message, um, I would have shaken my head and been like, you know, I have to believe it. You know, we've learned, they've learned that by the, you know, the, the courage of other organizations, um, the Cubs, the Dodgers, you know, the ones who did it early, that this is a, a way to broaden our, uh, our message. Not, you're not discriminating, uh, or, or, you know, putting, uh, you know, a negative, uh, hopefully not a negative thought into existing fan base. And for the most part, every, each and every night has been met with tremendous success. And then it gives clubs great uh, momentum to grow that event uh, the next year. So I'm, I'm extremely proud uh, to have watched and participated pretty much in just about every single club's initiative, uh, which makes June a, a very busy month for me. <laughs> but um but, uh, you know, when I walk out there every single time with every club, I think about how my life would have changed if I would have seen that when I was a player for the Dodgers or the Padres or the Tigers. And it, and I, it emotionally overtakes me at times because it would have changed my life. And so I don't want to underplay uh, the the effort that a club is making to make more people feel welcome and if there is a player in the dugout right now for a team somewhere, I know that it's uh, galvanizing them to feel like they belong and that I want them to get every single bit of their potential uh, and, and realize their dream while it's happening and not walk away like I did. I know we only have a few more minutes um, to talk, but I, I, I hope you never forget the importance of you being a former player and gay and out means to people. I've had three people involved in baseball on my podcast, Dale Scott, um, Noel Guevara from the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Ben Pereira from minor league baseball. And all three of them have mentioned, you know, whether they've seen you at a talk for with the club or, you know, they've seen what you've done out in the world, what you've meant to them. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't imagine what it means to these players, current or past, to haven't come out yet and maybe they never will publicly to the media and stuff, but I can't imagine what you mean to them. Well, that is, uh, it's very generous of you. All all three of them are integral to the message as well in baseball. I try to think in that way, Randy, where, you know, I'm, I'm very close with, uh, Matthew Shepard's parents. And I remember when I was afraid to be judged, you know, those first conversations that I would think about Matthew and I would think, you know, those who don't have a voice and those who um, were victimized or or even that are potentially could see, you know, something, you know, through the media now and, and are uh, feeling very down about themselves or feeling like they don't or don't belong to anyone or anything. And and so I feel 
for as long as you know I have the responsibility or opportunity, uh, a huge uh, responsibility to speak for those who are not uh, heard right now, and and it gives me uh, tremendous strength. You know, at sometimes where you know the sports world moves very fast, and um, there's not a lot of padding on the back, and and uh, and it's it's nice to hear that you know my peers that you mentioned. Uh, acknowledge that i i you know dale scott is is like a brother to me and him and i um you know it's amazing that a couple years after my story came out he sent me an email and we met you know this was early in 2000 2000s and and we just looked across the table and it and it was like how could we not have known that each other you know we could have <laughs> could have been a source of uh, strength for each other. You know, he was really, you know, still, you know, 14 years away, 13 years away from coming out. You know, think about 29 years in your job um, with the partner, hiding that, like mm -hmm. the degree that we loved our our job or the privilege of playing, but the sacrifices that were made. And I just told him, I said, I if I would have had just you to talk to, I would never have quit. You know, I just I because I didn't want to. I just felt like I was supposed to. And it took years for me to heal from that. And so there's there's great motivation. I'll, I'll never have closure with my career. I know that. Um, but I love baseball. I want baseball to succeed when baseball has a, a, a dark day. It hurts me it, like I feel it. Um, and in my mind, baseball is still a small sport somewhere and that we all are integral to its success and I don't take uh, it for granted because I I was I lived a long time without it and I watched you know from far away and uh, so um, you know I try to uh, inspire our players to understand you know that part of it that it's a privilege while it's there and it's never gonna last forever um, and while you're here to be remembered, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, all the greats, um, you know, nowadays what you say and what you do is part of your package and uh, you have to uh, make that consideration. And so um, I have great motivation to continue to do the work, keep it uh, current, um, get smarter and have better practices for all of our teams and, and, uh, you know, it's with this like this opportunity today, you know, to share with um, maybe a new uh, set of ears, a, a new audience that you have that we can pull some people in and maybe they'll make the consideration or I might cross paths with that person um, and they can teach me something and I can, you know, put that into effect immediately um, as we try to uh, listen to those um, that love our sport and want to be around it and want to feel like they're a part of it. Cool. I have one last question I ask all my guests. If you can go back in time to your 12 or 13-year-old self when sexuality became a thing, what's that one thing you could tell yourself to help you? Wow. That's uh, it's tough because I don't think I, I really understood, you know, what was going on with me. But if, if I was at that, you know, a little birdie on my shoulder <laughs> could uh, <laughs> speak to me, um, I think mostly it would be don't be – don't be so afraid of of um, of what your of what you're feeling, what that means. There, that we're all here. Um, I I was born the way I am. I I fought it forever, 
my value system was placed around those in the sports world and all those those people meant a lot to me i didn't have a chance to have role models in my community they just there was nowhere no one around that i could relate to or and um and so i would i would say don't be afraid of of, of uh of, of whatever you're thinking it's going to be fine cool Thank you, Billy, so much for taking some time today and talking with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Randy, and I look forward to the next opportunity down the road. Keep up the good work, okay? Thank you. You too. I want to take a moment to thank my guest, Billy Bean, for spending some time with me and talk about his career in baseball. I also want to thank his assistant, Carlene Batista, who helped set this interview up. I hope you all have a rad week and look forward to another episode next week of an all-new episode of LPF Pod.